The following program deals with a controversial subject. The theories expressed are not the only possible interpretation. Viewers are invited to make a judgment based on all available information. This is your captain speaking. We are beginning our descent into madness. <laughs> Back to another edition of West of the Rockies. I'm Frank. Thank you guys for sticking around. I know it's late for some of you out there in the East Coast, but I guarantee you we'll make it worth your while. Everybody else on the West Coast, get ready, because uh, tonight we have a really fun show. Genevieve, how are you doing over there? You doing all right? Hang on, because I don't have your mic up, because I have a thing against you talking sometimes, so I, I always leave it down. But, okay, go ahead. Let me change my answer to shit. <laughs> there you go. The beauty of internet broadcasting. We can cuss all we want. Uh, anyways, tonight I'm really excited because uh, we have a, a good friend of mine here that uh, I've had the pleasure to have on the show previously and interview and he's brought some really amazing evidence and, and I, uh, I'm really, uh, I have nothing but nice things to say about my guest tonight and his group, APRA. Uh, of all the paranormal groups I've had the pleasure of dealing with, uh, they are head and shoulders above the rest as far as their professionalism and really the results they deliver when it comes to investigation. So I want to welcome first, uh, Brandon, how are you doing? Good, sir. Thanks, Frank. Thanks for having me on again, man. Appreciate it. Hey, you know, I, as I always say, the doors to this show are always open open to you. Good, sir. So thank you for being here tonight. And you didn't come alone. We got a full house tonight, correct? No, sir. Yeah, we do. We do. We have some great people here that are associated with APRA. Matt yes. Goldman, the field investigator, lead investigator. And we also have Dr. Harry Clore, who recently joined the, joined the organization and uh, is a mad scientist, as he would say. Yeah, today I'm just slightly angry. <laughs> <laughs> just slightly. Um, why don't we uh, start talking about this uh, uh, a new project that, that uh, you uh, took part of? I believe it was it's it's an episode of a of a uh, series on the Science Channel called That's correct uh, the Unexplained Files. Right. And uh, how did how did this uh, uh, union come together? The, 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 were you approached by the uh, the uh, Harry here, who, I, as I understand, you're the uh, producer of this series, correct? Yeah. So um, I I was I work with uh, Discovery and Science Channel and actually all the all the studios. Mm -hmm. And I've I've known Cody actually the the longest uh, for about like what eleven years, uh, eleven since, twelve years. Yeah, two thousand. Since he was like in diapers, uh, and then he introduced me to the rest of the team mm -hmm. um and like you actually i found them to be extremely professional absolutely and what i really liked about the team was that they uh were actually interested in in upping the game using mm -hmm. scientific methods so i uh actually was in hawaii and i decided you know I, i'm going to give these guys a call um and see if they will to take a meeting on this show nice and so we did we went in and we uh pitched the show and they actually uh, said they'd like to buy it in the room to do a backdoor pilot. And uh, that's how we ended up doing the show. That is very cool. Uh, Matt, how did you get involved with uh, APRA and, and, uh, and this uh, project? Well, I, you know, I've always been interested in the subject. Mm -hmm. I had personal, I, when I was a kid, I, I had a lot of experiences in the home I grew up in. Mm -hmm. And um, I've kind of sought this stuff out on my own. Um, I... Uh, 
became really interested. I met a man named Scott Grunwald. He does, oh, yeah, Scott. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's been a, on the show a few times. He's terrific. Very <laughs> he's, funny, yeah, funny he's guy. He's an extremely funny guy. Yeah, uh, so I met him, uh, and I was asked to join his comedy show. Uh-huh. And this was a great way for me to kind of get involved and meet everybody that does this but not really jump into it. Mm-hmm. Because I was a little, I mean, there's so many different opinions. And, of course. There's so many different people doing things. And I met Brandon through that show. And, mm-hmm. of course, I was very impressed with his work. And I, he asked me to come out on some investigations. And um, he had been working on an Internet series at the time. And I have a little background in television. So Brandon mm-hmm. and I sat together and uh, put together a reel. And, of course, I, I knew Harry. Harry mentioned referred to me as Cody. Mm-hmm. I actually have been a professional DJ for 16 years. Oh, no way. My DJ name is Cody Lee. So uh, I met Harry on a plane from Sundance in, like, 2002. Mm-hmm. One. Two. One or two. <laughs> One or two. Give or take. And, you know, I, 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 I don't believe in coincidence. I of think course we not. all know each other for a reason. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when Brandon and I were talking about what would our ideal, let's, let's try to focus on what the ideal situation would be. It included the science. And so it seemed like a natural fit to approach Harry, and, and everything seemed to... <clears throat> To just blossom from there. Now you said that as a child you had some experiences, or when you were younger, you had. What are some of these experiences that that led you to actually want to look into this? Um, I lived in a home that w- I. <sighs> I had a situation one night. I woke up as a kid, and there was a dinner party party going on. Mm. And I walked out down this long hallway and to the living room area, and there were all <clears> these people there. And they all stopped doing what they're doing. And I asked where my mom was, <laughs> and this woman came over and rushed me back to my room. And uh, she wouldn't tuck me in. She stood by the door, though. And she mm-hmm. made me go back to bed. And this happened a couple times. And I found out uh, after I asked my mom that there'd never been anybody in the house. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, so, and things kind of progressed from there. Um, I had a, a stunning, stunning incident when I was 18. Um, I, I had been in boarding school. I was a, a troublemaker as a kid. Mm-hmm. So I was in a, in a boarding school for, for kids that... Uh, you know, that we're in trouble. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I knew a girl there I was very, very close to. And every we had this obsession with the spirit world. So mm-hmm. every morning before school, we would promise each other that if one died before the other one, we would visit to prove there was an afterlife. Oh, wow. And this promise was daily for several years. Mm-hmm. Um, one New Year's Eve, I was with my friend Cindy and, and her friends. And... Uh, and I was, uh, everybody had crashed, and I was at a, a table in someone's home reading a book, and I heard a f- the faint sound of crying mm. from the end of the table. And I thought it was coming through a vent in the floor or somebody in the house, and I walked around, and nobody, everybody was asleep. And I sat back down on the table, and I, I started to hear it again. And I said her name. I said Allison. And all of a sudden, there was this amazing rush of energy that filled me. And it, it, it was so, so uh, overwhelming that the, the room seemed, seemed to change hue mm-hmm. almost. Wow. And I had this conversation with her that was emotional. It was all like pictures and emotions and very clear images. And I felt so loved and so content and so at peace with what had happened. I said goodnight to her and went to bed. Now, you, you know, that's the most remarkable part of this for me is that you would think something like this would happen and I'd want mm-hmm. to hold on to every second. But I just felt so good. Wow. Um, three days later, I got a phone call 
from my art teacher, my former art teacher. She asked if I was sitting down, and I said, Allison's dead, isn't she? And she said, how did you know? Did wow. Brian call you? And I, I was so stunned, I hung up the phone. I, I, I had forgotten it. I, I woke mm-hmm. up the next morning, and it was like, I don't know. It was too much, I think, for me to... Mm-hmm to actually have processed and when that conversation happened it, it just all flooded back into into my head that's um, pretty impressive it was really an amazing thing to have happen and so since then i've i've just been all about it i've just been really interested in the subject and now i'm i'm i'm, I'm more afraid of people than i am of spirits i, I so. hear that a lot from from a lot of uh, paranormal investigators <laughs> it seems to be the uh, general uh, sentiment <laughs> right so so you know i'm really glad that i got to meet scott and and brandon mm-hmm. and some other people in the field that i admire um so uh, thank you for that. That was that was quite an interesting story, Harry. Now, now I was saying before the show, uh, you are the only person to have gotten two PhDs simultaneously. If I remember correctly, I think it was chemistry and physics. Was that correct? That's correct. So the only person, only person to get two in any any discipline, might wow. happen to be in physics and chemistry. So you're yeah. obviously a smart guy. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> Reed Richards and Dr. Doom and I hang out together. <laughs> nice. Uh, so how did you become interested in a topic that a lot of, uh, you know, uh, quite a few, you know, scientists and all that kind of dismiss as pseudoscience? Well, uh, there are several answers to that. One, I, I think most people are technicians, not really scientists these mm. days. They don't really um, open their mind to to possibilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, they study one thing, they know it mm-hmm. very exactly, and uh, in fact, usually are very resistant to new ideas. Right. Um, for myself, I've always been uh, interested uh, actually in what lies beyond life, uh, what is life, where does life come from. Mm-hmm. Uh, starting from an early age, I started studying uh, various religious philosophies as well as what was the real state of the research. And in part, it hap- I guess it, it involves the fact that I've, I've had death as a companion through much of my life. How's that? So when I was four, I actually mm-hmm. drowned and died. Oh, wow. So I was, uh, it was at the beach and my older brother, who was supposed to be watching me, of course, was watching the girls instead. I, I don't really blame him. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I just wandered off into the ocean and dropped in and drowned. Wow. Um, and I, I actually found it to be actually a pleasant experience. Mm. So, in fact, I later would become a, an avid scuba diver. I, I didn't have a negative experience about it at all. But, oh, wow. That's um, interesting. Coming back from that uh, in the experience of of having died and realizing that, well, wait a second, you know, I don't remember any moment where I didn't have consciousness, even though they said I was dead for a couple minutes. Hmm. So I found that scientifically intriguing, though I do know a a personal experience is subjective. Mm -hmm. So it's not empirical evidence, it's just something that can lead you to have a motivation. Um, Then when I was 13, my, uh, or I guess 14, on Christmas morning, I woke up and went to my mom and said, hey, you know, my dad just died. Wow. And she's like, no, 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 he's fine, he's fine. And then the phone rang a couple minutes later mm-hmm. to tell us that my father had just died. Oh, suddenly. wow. 
So um, those sort of experiences and, and other things in my background have always led me to have a scientific curiosity as to what really is mm -hmm. uh, beyond this pale. And the more you look into science, if we have the possibility of an infinite number of universes, mm -hmm. uh, and this universe itself, the one that we live in, uh, is started finite, but is now boundless, mm -hmm. uh, which means there's trillions upon trillions of, of galaxies. In fact, you could say there are trillions and trillions of galactic clusters. Right. So that opens up a huge realm of possibility. So exactly what it is, I'd like to know, versus wanting to believe in. I could talk to you all day, sir, honestly. Uh, that, that, Genevieve can tell you, we, we discussed some uh, things along the same lines on this show. Uh, and we're gonna get back to that in just a minute. I just want people to get to know Brandon a little bit. We have some new listeners and all that. And you've shared before how you got involved in the paranormal, but if you'd be so kind to uh, tell us one more time how your journey into this uh, field of, uh, of research uh, started. Yeah, and uh, I started the organization, American Paranormal Research Association, in 2006 to solely investigate historical locations throughout mm -hmm. the United States and eventually the world. Uh, my interest in the paranormal did begin at a young age. In 1995, I lost my oldest brother to cancer, and in 2004, I lost another brother to suicide. That kind of sent me on a journey into the unexplained, the unknown, if you will, in uh, trying to document uh, life after death, an ultimate transition, if you will. Mm -hmm. So um, those experiences as a child, uh, the loss of my brothers kind of motivated me to um, try and document uh, spiritual phenomena and ghostly phenomena. That, you know, and, and like I said, it's a, it's a very uh, heartbreaking set of circumstances, but it's almost like we can see a common thread going in here between the three of you as to why you would be interested in, in uh, going into this, this kind of paranormal field. Uh, Harry, uh, you've done research. You looked into this. You, you've, you've done, you know, you've done the work. You, you read the books. Can you tell me a little bit how that has shaped your idea of what happens after death? Well, first, I, I do want to comment on what really binds me to Brandon and the team. Um, it's it's a, one of those weird sort of coincidences, which we don't believe is a coincidence. Mm -hmm. See, my brother also uh, died of cancer. Oh, wow. my other brother committed suicide. Oh. So we have exact parallel uh, relationships. And that is, that. that's eerily, yeah, that's pretty heavy stuff. Uh, and how has, you know, with all this knowledge that you've acquired over the years, what have you found? What, what have you taken away from all this? What happens when we die? Well, I, I actually wish I could answer that because I would be getting a Nobel Prize tomorrow. Right. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but it has somehow, uh, do you have an idea or uh, how far along do you think you, you've gotten uh, with what you know in researching the paranormal uh, to have some kind of a notion? Well, I, I guess my notion is that at this point in time, there's more to life uh, than we can currently physically explain. Hmm. So if you take all the body of science, whether it's physics and chemistry and biology, uh, we actually can't at this point um, create life from scratch. Hmm. Nor can we really tell you, it, it becomes fuzzy once you start delving down into what is life and what is not life. Mm -hmm. So that begs the question of, 
uh, are we more than just the atoms and the energy that's within us? And I right. think we are. So I guess I'd say my study has, has sort of opened up to say that there is enough evidence out there that there is more to this life than simply um, the us being born and dying and becoming nothingness. I, I would say that, that it's as strongly a religious belief for someone to be a atheist as mm-hmm. someone to be, say, an, an avid uh, Christian pope. Hmm. Uh, you, you need to be open. Right. And that's what I am. So I don't have a, a, a firm theory of one thing or the other. I mean, I have my own personal beliefs. I do believe that the, that life uh, continues. And, uh, in fact, I, I think in part uh, we are, uh, in essence, the essence of life. For instance, if we were to talk about a deity, if I was a deity and I was the only thing in the universe, I'd get pretty bored. Mm-hmm. So I might divide myself up into a couple hundred trillion species mm-hmm. and have a couple hundred trillion of myself so that I could interact and grow. Because I certainly couldn't interact and grow by myself in my room, even if that room was an infinite number of galaxies. So I guess that's kind of my theory. My theory is, is that, that we are that thing uh, which could have created the universe, mm-hmm. and we're just a small aspect of it. It's uh, No, I was just going to say it's something that, that echoes um, what a close friend of mine told me when we were discussing this, that um, uh, he believes that um, this deity, God, whatever you want to call it, wanted to experience life and at every level that he chose to um, do so by the way you said, you know, it's like humans and animals, the earth, the plants, et cetera, et cetera. It's all a manifestation of the same deity, just at different levels. Is yeah, well, I mean, we see it in the latest, uh, let's say, uh, in the latest games, right? I mean, we have a, a life right now, mm-hmm. but go to, to E3 or Comic-Con or anywhere else mm-hmm. and see the immersion of people into alternative worlds that they make up. Mm. Well, in some ways, you could say that's really just a microcosm of them repeating what already happened to to them. In other words, now you've decided to make up these worlds, and then you enter these worlds, right? Well, why do you do that? Don't you have a regular life? You do, but you want to get something more. You want to have more interactions. So one can then extrapolate from that, let's say, and say, well, okay, I'm going to theorize then that, that that behavior comes from the base relationship that, that I was a greater deity or part of it. And we see this concept actually reflected in most religions. So whether you say, you know, you're part of God or you're, you, you, we're, all, we're all part of this matrix, mm-hmm. um, it's interesting that that theme repeats itself. But it also repeats itself in the game industry. Um, and then if we were to look deeper into physics, what does physics say we are? It says that this table and this mic and everything in this room isn't real. Because quantum, uh, uh, quantum chromodynamics, uh, which is, which is uh, above uh, quantum mechanics, but just the, the point of it being is, is it says that everything's a wave. So you can start with a hydrogen atom, and that's a wave. But then as we build up, it's not a collection of waves. Mm-hmm. It's all one big, massive quantum field. So everything, every planet, every star, every galaxy, everything is not a collection of an infinite number of quantum waves. It's one giant wave. Well, what would that be? Wouldn't that be the mind of God? Hmm. So wow. are we just then, perhaps then, the manifestation is just the, the thought of God? 
because that's what physics is kind of saying right there. <laughs> Before we go any further down the rabbit hole, let's talk about the unexplained files. <laughs> because you could tell that... Yeah, we could have warned you that alcohol, you should be drinking that right now. We're not, but we will later. <laughs> <laughs> the unexplained files. Uh, season two, what can we expect? First episode, Brandon Albus and his crew, uh, APRA, uh, are uh, featured in it. Uh, what can you tell me about that? Are we in the first episode? No, not the first episode. Is not the first? Not the first. Okay, no. I retract that. September? That's to be determined still. Yeah, so everyone needs to watch it, though, because yes. it's a backdoor pilot, and uh, depending on whether or not it spins off is going to be based upon the audience's reaction. We'll also be giving away $1 million. Not really. Oh, sweet. But, <laughs> but in an alternate universe. So in an alternate universe. You'll have you to go. collect it there. But it's, yeah, I think it's in September. In September. September. What, uh, can you tell me a little bit about what people can expect to see in that particular episode? Yeah, the episode features... APRA and Dr. Clore, we team up to investigate a notorious haunted location in Preston Castle, Ione, California, a former boys' penitentiary. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's specifically the phenomena that they're going to focus on in this episode is shadow people phenomena. Mm, so okay. we went in and we investigated the location mm. according to eyewitness reports mm -hmm. from multiple witnesses, everything from a uh, woman claiming, or excuse me, a man, a, a, actually a credible police officer in I own claiming. There is to, such a thing? Yeah, something no. like that. <laughs> 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 All right. Claiming to hear uh, the voice of a woman saying, please help me in the area where the head housekeeper, Anna Corbin, was bludgeoned to death. Oh, and, Jesus. And from what he said, he didn't know that Anna Corbin was bludgeoned to death in that particular area hmm. where he experienced this voice. And all the way to a man uh, named Doug Carnahan, who's a paranormal investigator who claims that a shadow person uh, rushed him, and he felt a sensation of a cold... Uh, he, has, he said it was like a someone taking a big bucket of ice water and dumping it through you. So oh, wow. He experienced that and we talked to other eyewitnesses as well we went in uh apra and we investigated the location and tried to document it we went in we observed we reported mm -hmm. uh and then harry went in and had a few experiments oh, that so, he conducted yeah, so, so we um we won't give you the punchline because we have to watch the episode yeah. but um so while they're investigating um since i am the mad scientist uh, mm -hmm. i use this also as an opportunity to to investigate, you know, what other things may be causing some of the phenomena. Mm -hmm. And also, I'm a twisted fuck, so uh, <laughs> I, I wanted to say that since we're uh, not on a... Yeah, 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 feel free. I just got done with the script where I could only use the word fuck once, so... Yes, and there's some I've got FC a whole bunch of extra fucks I learned this week right that, they, that on network television, I guess you're allowed, what, like, one... One bullshit. One bullshit and two... Oh, no, a shit, but it's not allowed to be, like... Yeah, you can't. It's not allowed to actually insinuate fecal matter. Right. It has to be used. <laughs> as, a, a, yeah, as, as, a as an exclamation. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, well. Yeah, no, so you can't say it. My my partner Rance Hosley uh, on a script we just did, Ill Win, mm -hmm. was really upset that we couldn't say the word fuck all the time. So well, yeah, hey, that feel free to you, get Rance. all that aggression out. Anyway, now. so <laughs> so uh, and part of the episode and part of the theme of what we do is is we want to to know mm -hmm. so uh, part of the stuff in their investigation in these episodes is to um up the scientific method the standards mm -hmm. but in addition it's also to have some fun so we investigate what other type of exotic things can be going on mm. and in this case we also wanted to 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 see what is the 
uh, what does fear do to you when you go into a place like this? So That's very interesting. Uh, literally, I did a human experiment on, what was it, 10 or 12 10, subjects? Yeah. 10 really? subjects. Really? Yeah. So I brought in 10 subjects, and we, we ran an experiment that was actually created by DARPA uh, to measure the levels of fear. And oh, wow. we also set up a psychological uh, a test on them to see what would happen when they entered the house. So to see what, what happens, you need to watch it, but it's a lot of fun. Cause we, it sounds uh, like a lot of fun. We, we have a lot of fun, and we are seriously, the, our endeavor is to to seek the real answers. And mm-hmm. a part of that, of course, it means to put boundaries on things. Uh, and uh, so I think, we, I think we, we found a lot of interesting things at that place. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, yeah, it was a great experience. Like Harry mm-hmm. said, it was a lot of fun, but it's a very unique concept and what we did is something that frankly hasn't been done before in, in paranormal research itself so it's really interesting and, and i think a couple of our subjects nearly pissed themselves oh yeah <laughs> nearly i think a few did actually that wow one, that one guy was like in tears yeah he was frightened yeah i think he was more frightened than the the younger girls that were put in the what was known as the scariest part of the castle really? yeah and this guy i mean he literally lost it i mean he, he was uncontrollably sobbing really and, and shaking oh, yeah, yeah. And oh it sounds like it was some serious stuff then yeah what was interesting though i mean just to, to riff on it was so there are these three girls that we brought in i think they mm-hmm. were cheerleaders um and uh they they were down we put them down in the basement and they, mm-hmm. they have to go one by one into this dark area and oh wow and and what's interesting is in conversations with one of them the girl was telling me all about the thoughts of of the entity and their dreams and their wishes. Oh wow! And and whether or not that's real or not, it's it's scientifically interesting in the sense that uh, in just a short time, how bound and how wrapped into this whole thing that they felt. Mm-hmm. And so she, but she went on with 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 great clarity about what she thought this woman who what was her name Anna Corbin Anna Corbin who had been murdered there and how she could fill her thoughts and what she wanted uh, I found that rather interesting yeah it was very interesting and I mean you gotta keep in mind that these people particularly why they were selected is that they were not part of the paranormal field Mm -hmm. they were absolutely scared of the building I mean they wanted nothing to do with going in the building let alone being separated and taken into a room where a woman was murdered or an area where multiple boys died of illness or whatnot Mm so Mm -hmm. it was it was a really interesting experiment great results and uh, I, I, I can't wait to see how it came out myself so well it's it's funny because you know shadow figures is one of those things that you know we hear a lot of talk about a lot of people have experienced it and i want to get everybody's opinion starting with matt um what uh, what is your take on shadow figures have you yourself and in, in, in the time you've spent researching have had an experience seeing a shadow figure um i you know i i believe i may have but it's that that kind of thing where you it's in the corner of your eye i haven't mm-hmm. full straight on seen a shadow person. I have uh, experienced looking down a long hallway now, mm-hmm. like in a prison or a hospital setting, and seeing these types of shadows peek around the corner. Mm-hmm. And this is a common occurrence in places yeah. like that. That's, and I, I can't tell you that that's not uh, an illusion. 
mm-hmm. that's created by my staring into the darkness. Right. But when it blocks out the light behind it, mm-hmm. it's more compelling. Um, I have had a, an experience personally where I had a night terror or a waking dream mm. where there was a shadow. It, that's a very common occurrence uh, yeah. from what I've heard. Yeah, and there, there is a psychological explanation, but I can tell you, and I'm sure a lot of people who've had that experience might agree, it felt very, very real mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I can't I can't say what they are. I can't say uh, that they are indicative of a certain type of haunting, but they seem to occur mostly in prisons and hospitals hmm. and places where there is great despair. Wow. Um, so that's that's what I have to say about it. Uh, Harry, what about you? Uh, have you had any uh, experience even filming the that particular episode? Uh, uh, what is your take on this? Well, because mostly Hollywood agents are the ones who I was saying. <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> They're kind of like Circle gets people. a square. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that that would be my answer. Um, well, in the show, I, I, I have some very clear uh, analysis and opinions on, on what we did see, and I don't want to mm-hmm. say what that is, so you'll have to see. I mean, there was evidence presented and, mm-hmm. and, and when we went through it. Um, I'd say scientifically... The concept, I mean, shadow people have been reported for centuries and centuries. In fact, mm-hmm. some are black and some are actually green and there are blue mm-hmm. ones. And, 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 and the reason they're called shadow people, which is different than, you know, the white figure, right. is merely that. It's supposed to be a dark entity. Now, uh, I think probably, in fact, everyone that I've seen, I've been able to explain. But that doesn't mean that, uh, that there isn't an entity uh, of shadow people, mm-hmm. and if if there was one, for instance, let me put on my science slash science fiction hat. Um, mm-hmm. There could be a lot of different explanations, and it, it may not just be. I mean, one, it could be a manifestation of 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 something that isn't even just an entity, right? It could be a, a thought or an emotion mm-hmm. that that you are are bringing back. So. You know, if, if 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 when you die you can leave an imprint, mm-hmm. then maybe if somebody else has a, has a has a uh, affinity for it, then maybe they can bring that back out. But uh, on the other hand, we can go another direction. As I, I said before, in in quantum physics, we believe that there's an infinite number of universes. So what if there was a phenomena in some other parallel universe mm-hmm. that it matches our world where something dark had happened and you're kind of just seeing that little bleed over right so therefore it will look like a shadow because you're not actually you can't see all the way through and maybe it's just yeah uh if if two dark events like there's a bloody murder in one and in the other uh and maybe you're just seeing that echo Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think there's a lot of different possible explanations for it, um, and I'd be delighted to find some real solid evidence of it. So, you know, for, for me, I'd, I'd, I'd rather—I don't think one should ever say absolutely something is impossible. Right. But for me, it's just a matter of I want to see actual evidence of it because there is a an art form, and I'm sure some of you can easily Google it. It's a great art form where you take a, uh, some wire and some string, and it looks like nothing, but if you shine the light on it. It uh, it will create a, a whole panacea of, of human figures and, mm-hmm. and chairs and everything else. So one has to be balanced in your in your view, right? Since I can can do shadow art, 
Um, and a lot of people, therefore, can misinterpret seeing a shadow. Mm-hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean that there isn't shadow people. Wow. That is a, a, a good answer there. No, no, uh, another thing that occurs to me is mm-hmm. that um, when we talk about shadow people, it seems to me we talk about this as a certain type of thing. Like, because they are shadow people, they are all this one thing. And I, I, now, I don't know that we can only perceive things certain ways and so we see shadow figures but they can be indicative of many different <clears throat> things um, for instance I, I went to a, a Native American sweat it was very mm-hmm. intense. It was a very authentic ceremony. And as uh, the rounds went on, I did see shadows mm-hmm. moving about. And, and these were not uncomfortable. They were not, they didn't seem out of place even, but they were shadows. So I don't know if, you know, the way that we're able to perceive these things is, is only limited to certain events as opposed to their, their different things. Right. You know. Uh, Brandon, what are what is your take on this uh, shadow? You know, again, it's a phenomenon that's been documented or reported at least for mm-hmm. centuries and centuries, going back. I mean, as far as as far as history can go back with paranormal phenomena, it's one of the first reported types mm-hmm. of phenomena. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, it's something that I usually have noticed that it's associated with like traumatic type of events. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like Matt mentioned, places like prisons and hospitals and and sometimes you have your your homeowner cases or or private homes that have the haunting of a shadow person it always seems to be associated with traumatic death and traumatic right. events so again you know what exactly it is i'm not sure but mm-hmm. it, it does seem to correlate between traumatic events and places like prisons and hospitals and uh, places where you know deaths many deaths and tragic mm-hmm. deaths and horrible type events have taken place uh, I have a, a few comments here on the chat room. Uh, let's see what we have. Um, but why are uh, the question is from Blue Starlight seventy two? Why are all shadows, all shadows? I'm sorry, thought of as malevolent presences? Is it just because they're black? Well, I, I, is there I, some I, kind of racist? <laughs> did I just say what nobody it. wanted to say? Yeah, is but it? I, <laughs> I'm not sure if that's actually true. I mean, I, I think it's because most people will associate them with with uh, a malevolence. But I think throughout history, there can also be shadow people, let's say, because they also come in various colors, uh, that are mm-hmm. just associated with traumatic events, mm-hmm. but not necessarily meaning malevolent. that the shadow person is malevolent. So hmm. you can have a, a tragedy, and maybe that, that entity is appearing to... to uh, appease dark emotions. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if yeah. if that I, I would agree with that. I would you know I would go just to reiterate what Harry's saying a bit is with paranormal phenomena usually when you see an entity say mm-hmm. a shadow person there's usually an emotion a, you know mm-hmm. attached to that. Yeah. It's not just seeing something you're feeling an emotion as well and I think that a lot of times being that it seems to be common that shadow people are associated with traumatic events that it seems to have that emotion or that feeling these people get of, you know, a traumatic event. So right. therefore they would believe it's malevolent or mm-hmm. scary or it's trying to frighten them or hurt them or harm them in some way. But that's probably not the case. It's probably just uh, the emotion that they're feeling from that particular traumatic event that this entity is either trying to relay or is just imprinted with it. I uh, think it's not so much um, indicative of the nature of the shadow figure or spirit, whatever it is, it's more the fact that people obviously tend to react in a frightened way. So it's your fear thinking that making you think that it's malevolent rather than telling you anything about 
the actual entity and its origin. Maybe. So right. I think it's, it's mm -hmm. more like, maybe it's more a question of why do people see it as malevolent? malevolent. I think the answer is simply like psychologically, that's how people react. Yeah, because black doesn't necessarily mean evil all the time, right? But, but that's just how people, let me ask you something. in primary instance, react. What would the white pages be without the black words? <laughs> You think well, about you, you that. You could have Genevieve. black pages with white words. <laughs> yeah, like, it also works the other way around. I got a really uh, good question here by Jennifer Wilkett. This, and she's right. This is a very divisive, uh, or, you know, polarizing uh, uh, topic here. The, the topic of orbs. What are orbs? Well, there's quite a few different beliefs when it comes to orbs. And uh, usually with your documenting of an orb or, you know, in photo mm -hmm. or video, mm -hmm. it's nine times out of ten associated with moisture, dust, and bugs mm -hmm. a lot of times. Or 99.999. <laughs> so, <laughs> but there are the rare occasions where there is a ball of energy or a sphere, if you will, that you know creates its own light, emits its own light. Or if, say, if you see this, I would take it more credibly if you saw it with your own eyes. Right. You know, but uh, there are those you know, certain instances where there is a energy form and I guess a lot of times it manifests as a orb, if you will, or a ball of light. Mm -hmm. Harry, yeah, you and, and in fact, we had this great experiment that we were going to do on the show, but unfortunately it didn't get into this episode, which is uh, why I'm wearing the Breaking Bad hat to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> we had this experiment literally where we were taking uh, white, crystalline phosphoric acid which you normally use to make meth uh and was going to use it to make will of the wisps i'm so, sure you were yeah of course <laughs> of course you were well once you had the meth you would see it anyway but uh <laughs> anyway in reality you can there's a phenomenon called will of the wisps that has been seen for for hundreds if not thousands of years mm -hmm. where uh in nature you can get these self-igniting gases oh right and uh they'll often go glow green uh, but the human eye actually doesn't perceive color very well in darkened environments or in, in, in various environments. So you might actually see the green as white or blue. Mm -hmm. um, and so we were going to recreate that. That was a very uh, deadly experiment because part of it involves making uh, uh, a very poisonous gas that was used in World War I. Mm. Um, but we didn't, the, the fact is, is that there is physics phenomena which will create orbs. In addition, there's also a phenomenon called ball lightning. Hmm. So if you take those two things, so we know that, that there are two physical explanations, <coughs> which means maybe there are other things, right. including, again, if we have a soul, mm -hmm. then who's to say that at some point that you can actually manifest that into an energy? Wow. Or if there are souls, who's to say that they all are even attached to a living entity? Mm -hmm. Like you were talking before about shadow people, one of the, I mean, if you want to theorize, which I like to do, um, a shadow entity, to keep in mind, what is a shadow? Of course, a shadow is the fact that you've blocked light out, but a shadow entity is something that's standing uh, vertical, right? It's not laying on something, right? which means, in essence, in a physics sense, it would be absorbing light. Mm. So there are a variety of interesting experiments we didn't get to do that I would love to try, which is, which is experiments to say, okay, if there's an entity, and let's presume that there are shadow entities, well, by the very fact that there are shadow entities, that means they are absorbing light, uh, which means that they are extracting energy on a photonic level. 
And so it'd be interesting to try to measure in a room uh, across the full spectrum. Because maybe they're there all the time. It's just that once in a while, they're absorbing in the visible range. But maybe they're absorbing in the other ranges all the time. It wow. makes sense. Like, if that were to be true, then it would make sense when people say things like, you know, I had a cold chill run through me because a spirit was in the same place I was standing because that would be, you know, absorption of thermal energy. Yeah, thermal energy, correct. Exactly. Uh, now, Matt, what about you? What are your thought on, uh, thoughts on, on orbs? Have you seen orbs yourself, captured them on, on video uh, photos? Um, I've, yeah, I've seen them in photos and I've seen them in videos. They're not as compelling to me mm-hmm. as an audio recording or right. uh, the picture of something that's solid. Um, or the picture of something that's more illuminated than mm. an orb. Um, gotcha. If I saw, uh, like, okay, there there have been instances where I've been in a in a place and I've seen a, a pinpoint of light or a mm-hmm. ball of light mm-hmm. move with my eyes, you know, and I'm able to confirm that with someone like Brandon who's standing next to me at the time. Mm-hmm. That's compelling to me. I'm not. If if I was holding a camera at the same time, then I'd be able to say. I saw this as well as photographed it, but it's so easy to mistake dust particles for these things that it's just not, it's just not very compelling to me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I, I, I would have to agree with that. I, I, you know, I know that I, I, I know a woman Mm -hmm. who is part of uh, the Boyle Heights paranormal collective Mm -hmm. and uh, it was just a group put together by Richard Burney. And um, they do great work over there. And they were in Linda Vista Hospital mm-hmm. for a long time. And there was this woman that we, we called the Orb Whisperer. <laughs> and she would go in and she would talk to the space around her like mm-hmm. she was talking to, you know, a child or a loved one. And, and she would get these orbs that normally I would, you know, pass off as pieces of dust to right. behave in ways that were very strange. Hmm. To be to fly around in ways that looked intentional. And I wow. would watch her do this simply by talking to the room. So there may be something to it, but in general it's just mm-hmm. not compelling to me. So Yeah, orbs, I mean, I'm I'm on the fence about them. I've had a few experiences at, like at Linda Vista, um, where, you know, I've seen yeah, certain things that I'm like, you know what? don't know what that is that was definitely creepy and i can't explain it but i'm of the same thought that uh <laughs> so this is a photo i took while we were out by the mine okay the argonaut mine okay and the the point of this photo was uh-huh. while they were filming other stuff uh it, i i noticed this this really cool um orb right mm-hmm. but it's it's actually an effect uh, created by my 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 phone, my mm. digital camera. Right, right. But it, it literally looks. In fact, I could play with it. So I actually have videos where I'm like, oh, oh I'm, really? I'm gra- grabbing the spirit and letting it go, <laughs> grabbing it and letting it go. And the point is, is you are seeing a lot more. Like if you were to track the appearance of orbs, uh-huh. you're seeing a exponential growth in the number of orbs because what what's happening is is uh, digital photography mm-hmm. is is much more apt to create that effect. Mm. So now even if there is something called an orb, the, the ability to to uh, distinguish it from all the artifacts right. becomes more and more difficult. Yeah, and that that I think it's it's the uh, downside to uh, some of the uh, advancements in technology. I think that it seems 
with uh, more apps and all this, the hoaxing of uh, some of these phenomena has become more frequent. And it makes it difficult for the uh, uh, people who are genuinely trying to get to the bottom of this and get some honest feedback and research, you know. Um, and to me, that's the probably the, the, the sad part about all this. Which brings up the... Um the principle that Scott Grunewald, I think it was, um, oh, yeah, works yeah. on, which is, you know, he only ever uses one piece of equipment, which is a bell, like a standard mechanical He's bell. Right. If some, yeah. if something <laughs> wants to communicate, you know, if they can do all this other cra crazy shit, they can probably bring that bell. Right, so, right. So like, it's either that or nothing, you know, because once you start getting more technical, it gets murkier. I mean, it, you can get great results, but the results are a lot less reliable than something as physical and basic as a bell. I also thought that was pretty No, great. that is really great. And uh, that being said, we're going to take a quick break here since it's the top of the hour. I'm going to play a few jams here and, uh, and we're going to come back and we're going to dive into this whole discussion once again because it's really fascinating. Uh, again, my guests tonight are Brandon Alves, uh, Harry Krull, and uh, Matt Goldman. And we're going to continue talking about the Unexplained Files. Uh, it's on the uh, Science Channel. And uh, you don't want to miss that. Enjoy the jams. Genevieve is here. I'm here. Uh, shout out to Jimmy, who couldn't be with mm -hmm. us tonight. But uh, he'll be joining us again soon, I hope. Uh, good luck to you, good sir. And, come uh, back, Jimmy. Come back, Jimmy. <laughs> Seriously. We're going to put his face on uh, milk cartons pretty soon. Uh, <laughs> but enjoy these uh, jams. Oh, I'm going to play, you know, Jim Sullivan. Got to play Jim Sullivan. Yeah. yeah, love Jim Sullivan. That broadcast, that was really cool. Oh, wasn't that Just really? To it today, yeah. It's one of my favorite, hands down. You don't, if you don't know the story, definitely check it out. It's on there on Mixcloud. Uh, so we're gonna play a track by Jim Sullivan and some other stuff. So don't go away. West of the Rockies on the Independent FM. It's coming right back. Here we go. It's on top of a hill 
This is Jorge Diaz of Paranormal Activity, The Marked Ones. And you're listening to West of the Rockies with Frank. This portion of the show is sponsored by Haunted Orange County, your premier source for all things haunted in and around OC. From haunted history ghost walks to ghost group hunting expeditions at some of SoCal's most haunted destinations. Make your fall plans early and book an upcoming tour or investigation today. Visit hauntedoc.com. To the second hour of West of the Rockies, I'm Frank. Thank you guys for sticking around with us. I know it's late, but I think everybody's having a good time. Thanks for everybody in the chat room and all their feedback and questions. Definitely keep them coming. I think we got the right people here tonight to answer some of these. Jem Nabib, how you doing over there if I don't stumble over my I'm words? Over my name. Blah, 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 blah. I'm doing great. Doing all right? I'm not, not sure I'm looking forward to being humiliated again. But. Humiliated? <laughs> Come on. People love Providing this. Providing entertainment. Providing entertainment, that's the way to do it. Here, I even I even have something set up here for you. Ready? Because... Oh, God. Yeah. I don't want to know. Yeah, you do <laughs> want to know. Because by the sound of that music, we're about to get some... Uh, our culture on, if you will. We're going to do I'm some sure urban, urban dictionary entries. <laughs> this was uh, quite the, the hit a few weeks ago when we first introduced it. So, with this lovely background music, Genevieve, why don't you, uh, I know I, I, personally, I know I sent one or two there, mm -hmm. uh, and there might be some more, so why don't we, yeah, why don't we get started? All right, well, I've been requested to describe or read out the word bay. I'm not even sure that's how. Bay. Bay. I think you're right. Right, I, right. And I think a lot of us have, anybody who has a Twitter or, or Instagram, Facebook has seen the word bay, with bay. Taking pictures with bay. What the fuck is a bay? Well, since you're asking, I happen to have the entry up in front of me. Um, open quotation, before anyone else. Close quotation marks. Okay, that makes sense. Or, or before another, anyone else. Or another way to say babe or baby. For instance, she's my bay. I don't know what I would do without her. The next entry says, a word used by ghetto people to address their significant other because they have found themselves too lazy to pronounce the entire word, babe. For example... Can you use it in a sentence, please? Just thinking that. Welcome home, babe. 
My beige Mao don't spend all his mama's money on these nails, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Next word, ratchet. Ratchet. One of the I'm hearing entries, that a lot. One of the entries says, a ghettoized form of the word wretched, with a W, obviously. Okay. Very unhappy, for instance, or ill, etc. Or very bad or unpleasant or very poor in quality or ability. Another entry says, a ghetto girl who is loud and obnoxious and constantly causing drama and usually trashy. An example being, a ratchet girl would wear a sweatsuit and talk like this. Oh, hell no. I know that bitch was not talking to my man. I fina beat her ass. Oh, she is so fake. I think just your accent makes these sounds so much funnier. I think you could have her read a cereal box. Right? And it could probably, yeah, it'd be I think just like as next entertaining. Week you should have her read a cereal box, just like <laughs> the ingredients and see if you get an equally good response from it. I, Do we have any more in the. Uh, Les, was this Leslie's? I think that the, the next one is Leslie's. I didn't get this, a chance to read it. It's not just a word in itself, it's, it's, a, it's an expression? It's an expression of term. Um, namely, bag of dicks. Noun slash adjective. In the top five worst things imaginable. Picture burlap sack of severed bloody dicks. Yup, that's pretty much the worst thing ever. It can be used in many contexts describing smell, emotion, taste, sound, disgust, etc. An example, I drank too much last night and now this morning I feel like a giant bag of dicks. Or... This prostitute smells like a bag of dicks. Or Cheryl's liver and onions were horrible. I would rather ate a bag of dicks. Awful grammar there, by the way. Yeah. And oh, God. The last entry for that one, or the next one, is someone who is so much of a dick, he or she surpasses normal levels of dickery, <laughs> transcending the title of a singular dick to achieve pluralized bag of dick status. An example being... My manager, Greg, is a bag of dicks. There you go, guys. <laughs> thank you, Genevieve. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, if you want Genevieve to read your entry for <laughs> next week's Urban Dictionary Corner here on West of the Rockies, definitely tweet us at WOTRradio.com, hashtag Urban Dictionary with Genevieve. And uh, Tagger, what's your uh, Twitter handle again? Genevieve? Genevieve, U-A-G-E-N-E. B-I-E-V-E-Y-U-W-E-Y. <laughs> Jesus. But I, I think what everybody... Elemental P. X-Y. Yeah. I think what everybody would like is a ringtone where she says, don't be a bag of dicks, answer your phone. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. That would be great. Uh, next week. <laughs> speaking of social media, um, uh, starting with Brandon, why don't you tell people where they can find you, APRA, and all that good stuff on the, on the, on the social media sphere? Yeah, yeah you can find... Anything to do with APRA, obviously, at our website, APRAparanormal.com. Which stands for? American Paranormal Research Association. Very and cool. And you can get us at Facebook, obviously, APRA Paranormal, American Paranormal Research Association. Uh, Twitter hashtag, or excuse me, the Twitter handle is uh, APRA Paranormal. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can find me at my personal Twitter, which is just at <clears throat> Brandon Alvis. Um, and again, Facebook, Twitter, we have every social media possible associated with APRA. Very cool. Harry? Well, actually, I don't really use social media much, but uh, I, I, I do have a Twitter. It's uh, Harry Doc Clore. It's K L O O R. Um, 
maybe maybe I should start doing something with it. Uh, more <laughs> interestingly, though, I'll be at Comic Con uh, this coming week. Nice. Uh, we have a bunch of interesting projects. We have a booth. Let me find where the heck the booth is at. Anybody who's going to Comic Con will be at booth forty two forty four. We're going to be promoting a Monster School and in Ink and Blood. Um, Monster School is a cool project. We have a whole host of stars who are showing up and, and fun people. We have Maddie from uh, Two and a Half Men and Robot Chicken. Oh, nice. Catherine from Lucky Bastard. Carly from Wicked Lake and Robot Chicken. Gary Graham from a whole bunch of things from Alienation. Doug Jones, Camden uh, Toy, Claire Kramer from Buffy, etc. Uh, so uh, check us out at uh, Comic Con, and very uh, nice Monster School. You can find a whole bunch of stuff online about it. It's it's a cool concept. It's about uh, th- these actors. We have about forty of the biggest actors who've done uh, monster movies, mm-hmm. and the idea is that well, what if they do monster movies? Because in real life, they turn into monsters. Mm, so nice. they run a school. And in fact, actually, it's a school where the outside part where we were shooting the unexplained filed episode. We actually use that exterior for Monster School. Uh, and the concept is is that there's troubled teens, and they go to the school. They don't realize they're troubled because they're going to turn into a monster one day. Oh, wow. And then my other project, which is Ink and Blood with uh, Rance Hosley and I, uh, is about the birth of the Silver Age of comics. And it's a uh, bloody uh, interpretation, <coughs> in which case... What was the... Spell. Sorry, I, I'm supposed to be the, the comic book uh, nerd here, and I fell to... I, I have a hard time knowing when certain ages happened. When was the Silver Age okay, of comics? So technically, it would have started, uh, pr- some would argue, around 1957. Mm-hmm. We're, we're sending it really... For me, it's the real birth of the Silver Age uh, comes into fruition when Marvel starts creating a new breed of superheroes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the superheroes that they create are completely different. Um, and every movie that you've been seeing, other than DC's movies, comes from a small span of about four years. Mm, and right. it's not just Stan Lee. It's, it's Ditko. It's Kirby. It's a bunch of people. It's actually about five key creators. Uh, and everything from Spider-Man and Fantastic Four and Hulk and Iron Man and the X-Men, Thor, they all come from this little small period of time. And what's the difference between um, their characters and DC's characters was that being a superhero complicated your life. Mm. It didn't make your life super. It made your life super shitty. Wow. And uh, the interesting thing is, as well, there have been it's about 40 franchises, each worth many billions of dollars that come out of this period of time, mm-hmm. from Ant-Man and Hawkeye and, and all kinds of things. But the, the key is, is that we don't know anything really about the creators and what was the situation that they were in. And it is actually quite dark. Marvel was producing soft porn to stay alive. They're being no national. Way. What, 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 uh, stop right. <laughs> we got to take a minute here. Wait, what? Yeah, they were. And where can I porn. find this? Oh, they did stag. They did all kinds of things. They, really? They, yeah, and we delve into that in the show. Uh, it's actually very, very interesting because you're you're talking about a situation where here we're we're broadcasting, right? Yeah. But. Uh, what happened was you went from a situation where there's four or five hundred comic book companies, and in a period of time, once National crushes uh, it's, and takes over distribution, which is a, too long of a story for this episode, but they take over distribution, and they use every method possible to wipe their competitors out. So mm. you then, Marvel, is distributing, say, through DC. 
Oh, wow. And they cut them down from having numerous titles to saying, oh, you only get seven titles. And by the way, if you don't distribute your titles all on this day, then none of them get published. None oh, wow. Get. Now, here's the thing. Minimum 400,000 issues. So if you have to sit on 400,000 issues, Jeez. you quickly go bankrupt. Jeez. So anyway, our series is about all the mafia dealings mm-hmm. and the dark politics and the backstabbing. And, and it's a very dramatic twist to the show. Mm-hmm. So we, it's specifically called Ink and Blood because people die in every episode. Wow. That's one that, uh, well, another one, actually, that I'll definitely be checking out. Sounds really fascinating. Uh, Matt, where can people find you on um, Twitter, Facebooks, and all that? I, I, my Twitter had twatted a long time ago. I just, don't really, <laughs> I, I never really got it. I tried several times. Oh, really? As a DJ, as a human, mm-hmm. as whatever, and I just don't, I don't get it. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try again. Just give just it a for shot. The sake of doing give it, it a shot. I can't really throw out a handle at the moment. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm going to. You can get me on Facebook. Uh, my Facebook is facebook.com/slash Matt Matthew loves me. And Matt Matthew, but Matthew loves me. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, Matt Matthew. Is my porn name. So, uh, that's actually that's a pretty good one. Pornhub as well. <laughs> and uh, and of course you work uh, with Apra as well, right? Yes, I, okay. I work with Apra as well. So you can find me on the Apra Facebook page or email me through info at apraparanormal.com. Very cool. Now let's let's uh, get back into all this uh, paranormal uh, stuff because another aspect of the paranormal that uh, it's it's fascinating. I know it's fascinating to me. And as it is for many people, is the this uh, phenomenon known as uh, EVPs, and I think uh, just about anybody who has uh, you know wandered into an abandoned place with a with a voice recorder may have captured something on that recorder that makes them go like, "Gee, that wasn't there," or uh, what have you. Uh, Brandon, you have uh, brought to the show before. EVPs that to this day, whenever I, I encounter somebody that's a little, you know, on the fence about it, I'm like, you know what, listen to, to this stuff. A, a good friend of mine, you know, recorded this stuff. They'll listen to it. They'll get chills. Some people, no joke, they'll take the headphones off before it's even over, and they're like, I can't listen to that. Really? Literally. <laughs> and, uh, and with your permission, I would like to play some of these again. Uh, and uh, let's talk about what EVPs are, because um, I think that as the, uh, uh, the topic of the paranormal becomes more popular through TV shows, a lot more people have become interested. A lot of people go out there. And some, you know, uh, quite a few times I, I, I throw a word of caution on the show you know be careful when you go out and do these things definitely because there's uh, some dangers not just if you know if it's an old amount of place you can get hurt <laughs> but also you know there's uh, laws and there's uh, a spiritual what I think are some spiritual uh, issues that you should take into account regardless of your belief system the, you know when you do these kind of things but EVPs uh, let's start with Brandon what what are EVPs uh, obviously EVPs uh, electronic voice phenomena are said to be the voices of spirits or ghosts that are documented on a digital or analog recording device. Um, You go into an abandoned building, a place that's reported to be haunted, you ask a series of questions, and upon playback you have answers to those questions that are, uh, in theory, the voices of the dead Mm -hmm. or spirits. Luckily, Appers had some really good results, great success with electronic voice phenomena. Uh, Some of our best data has been EVP. 
We've been to majority of the most haunted locations in the country and have been lucky enough to document not only some really convincing data, but also some very disturbing data as well. So, uh, yeah, electronic voice phenomena to me is, you know, one of the more credible pieces of data because you can have it tested in, in various ways. Uh, spectrum analysis, spectrum analyzers and whatnot, you could break it down by frequency and kind of see where it's coming from. Um, but uh, EVP has been a great wealth of data for APRA and and, uh, and we've been very lucky to capture some, some great evidence. Now before I go on uh, to ask the same question uh, to Harry and Matt, um, I want to play one of the EVPs here. And I want you to give me a little bit of background. This was taken at the Velisca, well, what has been uh, known in, in recent years as the Velisca Axe Murder House. Um, what can you tell me about this place? What happened there, and where is this place located? Velisca, the Velisca Axe Murder House is located in Velisca, Iowa. It is the home of J.B. Moore and his family. Um, it is the site of America's greatest unsolved murder, where mm -hmm. a f entire family was wiped out in one night uh, when a murderer, a unknown assailant, came into the house and bludgeoned everyone to death with the uh, blunt side of the axe. Oh, wow. Um, again, it's a unsolved mystery. Uh, the murderer was never found. Uh, there's been a lot of speculation. There was a few trials, um, but no one was ever actually taken in and, you know, accused. Or, uh, there's been many accused of the murder, but no one was ever, you know, captured for it but uh it is a location that many times uh paranormal investigators have gone in and documented evidence and in the spring of 2009 uh myself and apra went in and investigated the Velisca axe murder house it was such a small structure that it was was not realistic to go mm -hmm. in with the whole team and try to record evidence so we set up a majority of control devices so what we did is we took video cameras, audio recorders, EMF detectors, and we set them up in the house and just let it run. And so we set it all up, let it run through the entire night, came back the next day, reviewed all the data, and we actually captured something very disturbing, something that to me has been uh, probably the best EVP we've ever collected and possibly the event that took place that night when eight people were murdered as they slept. Now, I have two EVPs from uh, the Velasco Murder House, and I'm going to play them both. But first, I'm going to play the one, um, uh, the way I got it labeled uh, was uh, House Children. It's not the girls. Uh, I'm going to play that second. And I even got a lump in my throat just thinking about that uh, EVP of the girls. Um, we're going to play that in just a second. So I'm going to play this first EVP. Um, and then we're going to come back, and uh, I'll have Brandon kind of uh, walk us through what we heard on this. So uh, here we go. I'm going to cut the mics just so that we can hear this. All right. So uh, why don't you tell, tell us a little bit uh, what we just heard there? That recording was collected on the second floor of the Voliska Axminer house mm -hmm. in the room where the entire, um, all the children, excuse me, all the children of the Moore family slept that night. Um, it sounds like what is a young boy mm -hmm. saying, please don't, what are you doing to me? 
you can hear the white noise that's associated with the recording. We had to amplify this because it was very quiet, which is very common with electronic voice phenomena. Uh, but again, this was collected on a control device. Uh, it was a controlled environment, as much of a controlled environment as possible. Uh, we did not have any investigators inside the house during that recording. And this was roughly around 2.30, 3 a.m., um, obviously, we don't have children with us on investigations, uh, let alone having them in the house, you know, 2.33 a.m. But uh, again, it was collected in the room of the more children where all the children were bludgeoned with an axe. And it's been tested with spectrum analyzers before. We've had audio engineers go over it many times, and they don't have an explanation as to what it is. You know, they can't give us what the source is. So. And now, uh, probably the one of the most disturbing, if not the most disturbing EVP I've heard in uh, um, ever. Can we play the other one again? Or? Uh, because I feel like it's interesting listening to it after. Should we play it one more time? Okay, I'm going to play it one more time. And then, uh, uh, people at home, I hope you all got your headphones. If not, you can catch this on the uh, Mixcloud. Once it's uploaded, you can play this as many times as you want. I'm going to play it one more time, and uh, let's give it a listen. And now I'm going to play the, uh, like I said, one of the, uh, the ones that has stayed with me uh, ever since I heard it. And uh, a lot of people have, a tr uh, have trouble listening to this one, so uh, hopefully you're not one of them. Uh, here we go. Yeah, that, uh, like I said, it's uh, it's probably one of the most disturbing EVPs I heard. Why don't you tell us what uh, what we what it sounds like that we're listening in this particular one? Yeah, first I'll set it up and where it was collected and the circumstance surrounding the EVP. Uh, mm -hmm. It was collected on the first floor of the J.B. Moore family home, just outside of the room where Lena and Ina Stillinger, the two young girls that were friends with the eldest daughter, Catherine Moore, mm -hmm. stayed that fateful night. You know, awful night to choose to stay over, but they were murdered as well, along with the J.B. Moore family. Uh, it is known that Lena and Ina Stillinger were the only ones to put up any form of a struggle within the murder. Mm -hmm. um, again, this was a control device that was sit that was sitting on a mantle just outside of this room, mm -hmm. and this was around three three thirty a.m. when we captured what sounds like the sounds of young girls screaming, and not just one. It sounds like two. Right. And correct. It sounds like they're you know kind of vocalizing between each other. Uh, I'm gonna play it one more time, and then we're gonna talk to Harry and Matt and see what their take on this one is. Here we go. All right. Um, um did that clip continue for a longer time or, or was that it that was it it okay. was i mean throughout the entire night it was just static 
just noise because again it was control devices and we have these microphones which are very sensitive and and we recorded at a higher decibel rate but uh in a higher bit rate excuse me and uh so we had it rolling throughout the entire night but that particular clip was only lasted about 20 seconds and mm -hmm. as it came it just it started went. And yeah yeah it's very strange it just came out of nowhere as it started it left so it's very strange uh harry Did oh go ahead i Sorry. don't know if this is knowable if that's a word but um did the times that he recorded out maybe coincide with any other times that and something may have happened i wish i could have an answer for that but they are not exactly sure when the murders okay. took place obviously but it was nighttime so you you're within the same range aren't you exactly exactly yeah. unfortunately the crime scene was completely botched by mm -hmm. the local sheriff there i mean the entire town had already walked through the house mm -hmm. before the <laughs> crime scene or before he was even declared a crime scene so i mean it unfortunately you know mm -hmm. it, you know it is what it is but uh, Harry, uh, what's your take on on EVPs? Uh, well, first, uh, was that a was that raw or did you? Uh, That's filter? raw, completely okay. raw. Um, my take on EVPs presently is that uh, they are the beginning of an investigation. Mm -hmm. The way that they've been done. So, for instance, we're here in the studio using some nice mics, uh, and uh, the. The range of, of mics that are used in EVPs aren't what I would use in a studio, right? Which I would usually use something that's going to run me 10 or 20K. Mm -hmm. um, what mics were you using? Oh, that's just a standard digital voice recorder. Uh, that one particularly. But we did have, like, condenser microphones as well. But that particular one was only captured on one device. And that was the, just a standard digital voice so, recorder. So so during the unexplained files where... So they know that I, I can wear two hats. One is the, let's just have a conversation. And it's and it's interesting. But one of the reasons they've, they uh, have brought me in to work with me is, is to use the scientific method. Mm -hmm. So... Presently, no EVPs have actually been recorded using what I would say is the scientific method, which is where you use very high-quality equipment. You run actually a standard test so that you can... Well, one of the biggest things in science, so just let me give you a little thing on, on, on science, <clears throat> especially in high-energy physics or in, in various experiments, mm -hmm. most of the time your evidence is getting rid of the false signals. Right. So, for instance, if I'm trying to capture a neutrino, 99.999% of the time, my work is, is being done to say, no, that photon that you just saw was not from a neutrino fluctuating. Uh, and presently in these type of experiments, we, we, don't ha we don't see that. We don't see using the scientific method, using equipment that's been tested in an empirical way, and then running blank standards. So taking the same equipment, but I wouldn't use that equipment, uh, but using something that has a much long, higher dynamic range, mm -hmm. and one which is much less likely to have false signals. Um, and so that was, that's the first thing I'd say about EVPs. The second thing I'd say about EVPs is, uh, and it's not to dismiss them, I think if you get something interesting like that, that tells you now we need to do an investigation, mm. right? But it's actually not what I would say. It's subjective. It's not empirical because of the quality instrument that you've used. And in addition, there's the phenomenon, which is, you ever hear that like people like to watch the negative news? Mm-hmm. 
Well, it's the same reason as when you listen to an EVP or if you look into a cloud and you see a face or if you look into a piece of toast and you see Elvis. The human brain is designed for signal analysis and we will find images and we will find sounds uh, and, and they will relate to things to us. And especially for something like hearing someone do something negative like screams, mm-hmm. uh, it has to do with the fact that when we were walking through the heart of Africa, since I just got back from South Africa, um, we would look into the shadows and we would see a lion. Um, and then we would run away and maybe nine times out of 10, there wasn't really a line there, but that's okay. Cause running away from a phony lion means I'm going to survive, but mm-hmm. looking into the dark and not seeing a lion when there's one there means I'm going to be dead. So all those people, they were weeded out. Mm. My point being is, is we look for signals. We look for patterns. So when you listen to an EVP, which as, as you were commenting before, it's over many, many, many hours using an instrument that has a low frequency range and then you're pulling out and trying to recognize within a mix of sounds a signal so the brain can easily interpret that and make it to whatever you want and in a device like this there are going to be false signals you're Mm -hmm. going to get whistles and screeches and and fluctuations just because of the quality of the instrument uh but uh and before we move to matt uh if and i'm playing a little bit of devil's advocate here i guess if, say, uh, this occurs at a time echoing, you know, when the actual murders happen, if there is no such things as coincidences, wouldn't it be interesting that you're picking up something that sounds this way at that time in a house where such a gruesome murder happened? Right. So there are things called coincidences, right? Because the, the point being is, is if you're recording over three hours mm-hmm. or eight hours and you, and you get something... Statistically, there's only so many days uh, in the year and only so many hours in the day. Mm-hmm. So you can get hits, just just like you can get a coincidence of, oh, I just thought of Susie. Oh, and Susie just called me five minutes later. Mm-hmm. Now, right. that can be a coincidence or it could be, hey, I'm psychic. Uh, <laughs> the, so so th- that's the point. The point is, is they record lots and lots of things. The second one is, of course, in this instance, as Brandon just said, they don't know when the murders were, so right. you can't actually use that here. Mm-hmm. Very good. That, uh, that's actually a very uh, interesting explanation. Um, Matt. Sorry. Yeah. No, go you ahead. can go first. No, no. Well, um, you were saying in the first segment of the show, you know, um, one of the possibilities is that maybe we're seeing um, kind of an overlap from, you know, a parallel universe. And there's that idea that you have, I don't know, if a spatial overlap is the right word, but, you know, spatially across different universe um i know we've spoken about the possibility before that if time doesn't exist in the kind of in the way that people commonly perceive it as um in a linear fashion if everything is happening at the same point is it possibility that we're just seeing a bleed through an overlap from something that's happening because everything's happening at the same time well, right. So, if we want to play that the theory, <laughs> if we want to play the theory game, uh, which I love doing, I mean, I could come up with a dozen reasons why. If we presume you really are listening to an EVP, what is it? So, mm-hmm. you could be hearing 
basically, I mean, there's a lot of theories, right? That you, maybe there's an entity there and it's reliving it. Maybe you are at a, a point because we are emotional beings. And if it's, there's a strong emotional interaction, that, that maybe time isn't linear. So per the theory that you just floated. So I'm actually am, am hearing that, that echo. But I'm actually, it's not an echo. I'm actually somehow being pulled back to that point. Mm-hmm. Or perhaps since there's an infinite number of universes and some universe, the time delay is such that that murder is now taking place at the time that you made that EVP. So there's three possible theories. Mm. We can come up with wow. a lot of fun theories, mm-hmm. uh, but it depends on which hat you want me to wear. If you if you ask me a question to put on the science hat and be completely empirical, which is what what I do with the team. And the point of it is is because we all want we want to prove that there is a an afterlife we want to prove that these things exist which is a higher standard Mm -hmm. right and we all we all kind of enjoy believing things and there's certain levels of evidence but uh, i think one of the things that we're trying to do with apra is is up the game right and say so for instance we have this a great device that's used for detecting you know nuclear explosions around the world and and we're using it in, in tornado uh, detection with these these uh um ultra uh frequency and uh ultra low frequency detectors which we deployed in one location and which we plan on using so like at this place here i would say we should use them there so these are especially sensitive mm-hmm. devices mm-hmm. that 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 detects uh, ultra low frequencies, and there you can't you can't trick them in the normal mm-hmm. way. So if there was a pattern like this, we'd be able to pull it out. But we could also be able to detect whether there was a car driving by, you know, six blocks away. Wow. Another uh, thing I wanted to bring up, which it's not really a point to make, it's just an example I wanted to bring in, um, and it was triggered by the idea that when you are recording something or watching something does it maybe react towards you in a different way to if you just weren't in that house recording or in this other location? Um, And the example I want to bring in is, um, since you're a physicist, I think it was like the double slit experiment. Mm. And when electrons are being fired through something with an opening, you know, they they react in different ways depending on... Whether they're being watched or not. Yeah, whether they're being watched or not. And it seems that at least in quantum theory and in nature or whatever, things seem to react differently when you watch them. I, I don't know if that could react. So, so that, that, that's a mix of a couple uh, interesting phenomena. So one, ha- the double slit experiment is actually a proof of wave versus particle phenomena. Mm. Um, but the concept that you're speaking of uh, has to do with the observation point, which means an observer always has an effect on the thing that they're <laughs> observing. Now, that's more reliant in the quantum world. But again, uh, as we said before, we're ultimately all just a gigantic uh, quantum field. So there is there is a theory that, yeah, you are having an effect. In fact, you always are having an effect, which is why you got to be very careful with your instruments. Um, and so you, there are ways, of course, to, I guess, uh, account for that by by using the instrument in various locations, by not being there, but actually having the instrument. But no matter what, if I have an instrument there, it has an electromagnetic signature, it's doing something, it will have an effect in the, uh, on, on the area. Okay. Matt, thoughts on EVPs? What, what has your experience been with uh, EVPs? Well, I actually, I, I have a theory about what you just talked about, uh, the two-slit 
mm-hmm. experiment, and that you know, I, I, this kind of explains for me why I did a two slit experiment once. Did you in college? I tried yeah. to stay away that from happened. slits. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm didn't, a, didn't work a, out very well. Didn't work out very guy, well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so anyway. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, you know, this would easily explain why uh, things tend to happen more in the dark or mm. they, ha- they sound like they're coming from far away or the other room. Uh, and oftentimes in a location, I will find myself chasing something down a hallway or, you know, uh, going into a room because I hear something from that area. And mm-hmm. then I, I don't hear it in that area. I hear something outside of that area. So to me, the fact that I'm not present and I'm not there immediately observing something uh, could give whatever is in that space more room to be able to manipulate sound vibration or, or cause a change in the atmosphere. Uh, and this is really well demonstrated with Brandon's footage from the Queen Mary where uh, oh. he was uh, in the changing stall area. I remember that one. And he had handed a camera to the person with him. And she had put it over her shoulder, and neither one of them realized the camera was still running. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they were talking to someone, and the camera was pointed behind them. Right. And that's how they got that stunning footage uh, of what appears to be a, a female in one of the chains. In one of the stalls, stalls. yes. And what's so eerie about it is that she's apparently looking at them from behind. They had no idea mm-hmm. that the camera was running. And... I haven't ever seen anything like that. It's right. a real, real stunning piece of footage. But once again, it happened when nobody under- realized they were shooting in that direction. And, you know what uh, I'm saying? So, and before I get your uh, uh, response in regards to EVPs, um, Brandon, uh, it, it's great that you reminded me of that video because I, I, I forgot about it. It's a really, a really amazing piece of, of video. Um, I've shown it to a few people, and they've said that, well, how do you know that it wasn't just some other investigator, mm-hmm. and, you know, they kind of, you know, were hiding back there waiting right. for them to leave. Uh, yeah, wh- feel free, whoever. Yeah, yeah, well, there's a few different reasons as to why it's a strange piece of footage, but it was myself, another APRA investigator, and a security guard in a mm-hmm. completely secure location. How many? Uh, so it was total. How many people? Three people. Three people. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, if you've ever been to the RMS Queen Mary, it's uh, not the. I mean, you, of course, you can get down into the restricted areas, mm-hmm. but uh, it's not a. You know, you don't just find people hanging out in the first class pool of the RMS right. Queen Mary in the changing stalls at you know at one in the morning. Right, hanging out. You know. So, so I saw that footage. Isn't isn't the person that like two. F- low down too it's oh, yeah. almost like they're halfway like i've seen the footage itself and so for me i mean i i look at it i can't i can't give you an explanation other than the fact that you know maybe my mind is is seeing what what mm-hmm. it wants to see but it's yeah i would say that's the most interesting footage i've ever seen and because you look at it and it certainly looks like there is uh, unlike the evps where i think you kind of like have to strain to right. try yes, to make yes, out a noise. Yes. When you look at this video, it looks like a ghostly figure is staring between the crack of this doorway at you, and it's 
it's very compelling. Yeah, and if you've ever been to the RMS Queen Mary and have been in the first class bull changing stalls, they're very small. Mm-hmm. And uh, the way that this figure moves throughout that changing stall, and it almost appears like Matt mentioned and Harry mentions, like it's almost like halfway through the floor. Yeah, it's very yeah, strange. it's very so. true. It's very it's very low to the ground. So now, um, Matt, I, uh, on the topic of EVPs, what what do you think of EVPs that seem to? Because I agree with, with what Harry says wholeheartedly. I mean, I I'm a, I consider myself a quite a fan of EVPs. I think EVPs are, are really interesting to listen to. I've um, caught some interesting ones myself, and uh, and there was one instance. I don't know if you guys remember, um, but uh, it was at Linda Vista, and uh, I was with your group, and it, I I wish I could remember why we were there, <laughs> but we were there, and uh, we were in what used to be the old uh, morgue. Right. And uh, we were all kind of standing around. You, this, you, you, you made the decision to do an EVP session there. And, uh, and you asked the question, or, or somebody in your team asked the question. I, I hope you guys can remember this particular instance where uh, when you played it back, uh, you hear a voice saying, uh, uh, are you recording? Right, right. I remember that. And yes. I remember thinking, like, how is this possible, right? Because it was a very clear voice. The what who whoever was speaking at that time was none of us in the group. There were a few uh, uh, young ladies with us, and 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 Apra. I know definitely Michael Rudy was there. Michael you Rudy, were there. Yes. I believe you were with us at that time, uh, and. Uh, I just remember being quite uh, taken aback because there was this response. If it was a spirit, like, what kind of question is that to ask? Are you recording? Right. So where does this uh, awareness comes from when they reply? Uh, Matt, or, uh, this is open to anybody, whoever wants to. Uh, well, first off, I, just, I really want to give props to Richard Burney and the Boyle Heights team down there. They've yeah. done a fantastic job, and I was really able to hone my skills by spending a, a good chunk of time in that location with them. Um, and Brandon and I have, you know, our team, we've really uncovered some interesting stuff there. And it's not just that response. Anytime you get an intelligent kind of response mm-hmm. to a question or interaction, it's very compelling audio. I really love EVPs. I love mm-hmm. working with EVPs. I love, I, I'm a romantic. I like standing around in the dark and talking <laughs> to the void and, right. and feeling like I'm in an episode of Scooby-Doo with my friends. I, I really get off on it. You know? Right. Um, and I am... I, I like the idea that it's difficult to spot, and sometimes I have to listen for it. Right. Um, I, I, I am right there with Harry, and I would love to capture crystal clear phenomena and be able mm-hmm. to uh, affirm that that's what I'm getting. Uh, unfortunately, most of what I'm able to get are on the cheap recorders. Mm-hmm. You know, they, mm-hmm. they come in that garbled fashion. Yeah. But like we were just saying, it is compelling when you get a direct response. Yeah. I have uh, techniques that I've personally developed uh, to catching EVP where I, um, I will go with my imagination. So like if I feel like it's, I'm cold, I'll ask, are you cold? 
Mm. Right. So I kind of imagine like if I'm feeling something, it may be that I'm picking up on what is in the room. Mm -hmm. Uh, For instance, we have a piece of video where I'm in the uh, radiology section of Linda Vista down on that first floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is really just a dark. That's where I I experienced some serious stuff. It's (laughs) captured a lot of growling in there. There's a lot of. People get sick standing mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. It's a it was it's a very dark area, but uh, I had leaned over and I had felt like something someone was maybe reluctant to talk and they were cowering away from us. And I say it's okay. I can hear you. You can talk to us. And and I didn't hear this and I didn't pick it up on my recorder, but on the cameras. Uh, microphone, you clearly hear a woman say back, can you see me? Oh, and wow. it's in the yeah. same tone of voice that I'm using, as if we're having a conversation. Now that, to me, is very, very compelling audio. Right. Even though it's in the white noise section, you can clearly make out what she says. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't repeat that. I can't bring in an uh, expensive recording device. Like I said, I believe four of us had recording devices going at the time. And the only one that captured the audio was actually kind of far away from where I was. So, you know, it's difficult to say there's a rhyme or reason to it. You know, I, it's just really, it's really amazing fun stuff to be a part of when it happens. And, Mm -hmm. and I love it. I wish there was something I could put down and say, this is definitively this, that, or the other. Maybe one day that'll happen. But um, I, I like being taken away. I like, I like you know, when I listen to that uh, audio from Velisca, I am blown away. I'm absolutely yeah. shattered by it. I actually don't like hearing it because it sounds very real to me. Yes. I've yes. heard the enhanced audio. And oh, it's, really? It's like 20 times more It's disturbing. way worse than that, yeah. I'll have to wow. get you a copy of that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, so I, uh, I'll i go there mentally. Like, mm-hmm. I will allow myself to go to that place, and I'll say, oh, my God, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I can also pull myself back and realize this isn't going to be really great. I can't, like, say definitively what right. this is, you know. Um, well, I unfortunately we're we're just about out of time, but it, it has been a great, great show. A lot of great um, uh, conversation tonight, and I want to thank you all for making it. I uh, really appreciate it. Why don't you tell us where people can catch the unexplained files and when they um, uh, roughly whenabouts is the episode with uh, APRA Paranormal? Going so to again, it? it's it's going to be in September uh, on the Science Channel and also on Discovery Channel, uh, actually all around the world. And uh, I guess you should just check the uh, APRA site for exactly when mm-hmm. the episode will air and uh, get everyone to watch it because uh, we're hoping to spin it off into its own show. Definitely. Um, and I think it'll be well worth it. Because How we'll can be people demand this. it? If they, they want to see more of this, who do they need to write? Literally, they, they should, email? should write into Discovery Channel and uh, the Science Channel and say, hey, we love that episode. Let's see these guys have their own show. Awesome. Um, and the stuff that we're exploring here uh, is what we'll be doing uh, in the show. We'll, we'll be diving in in deep ways, and we'll be doing exactly the type of experiments that we're talking about. We'll taking really like some Newman mics and really nice. getting in and trying to see if we can record this and get in some, you know, ultra low frequency detectors and, and, and staying at a place for weeks at a time. Cause if, if there's phenomena, it doesn't mean it happens every day. Right. But, uh, if you stay there long enough, you 
maybe you're going to capture something for real. Right, absolutely. So I would say, yeah, check into APRA, check onto the Discovery Channel uh, and the Science Channel, and uh, please tune in and, and tell them to uh, make us a show. Yeah, demand more, please. <laughs> awesome. And one last round of social media, starting with Brandon. Where can people get some more info on you and APRA and all that good stuff? Yeah, you can find us on Facebook, American Paranormal Research Association. You can find us on Twitter. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Brandon Alvis, at APRA Paranormal. Uh, uh, we also have apraparanormal.com. We have YouTube as well. All the social media is APRA Paranormal. Awesome. Harry? You can uh, well find me on Twitter at HarryDocClore. It's D-O-C-K-L-O-O-R. Uh, find us at Comic-Con at uh, booth uh, 4244 or at my website, which is um, Jupiter9Productions.com. Awesome. And Matt, you got to get back on your Twitter game. So. Yeah, I really <laughs> need to get on the Twitter. But uh, until right? you get your Twitter up and running, where can people uh, uh, get in touch with you? Facebook.com slash Matthew Loves Me or info at com. Very cool. And as always, I'm Frank, uh, joined by Genevieve. Genevieve, what the final thoughts real quick before we sign off? I would have said so much more, but I've actually found myself saying less. Like the more question I questions I had, so that's why. Well, hopefully this time I was just like <laughs> mind blowing. Hopefully we can back. have we can have the guys back because it's a really interesting conversation, and obviously two hours has proven not to be enough yeah. to to go as deep as we could have gone. That's what she said. Anyways. Um, <laughs> Was that after the two-slit experiments she said? That is correct. Bag of dicks. That's <laughs> so uh, don't forget, uh, uh, I'm uh, Engineer Frank on Twitter, West of the Rockies on Facebook. Don't forget to follow the show on the, uh, Twitter, WOTR Radio. Genevieve Uway on Twitter. Jaime Roque on Twitter. We hope to have him back. I uh, hope you're feeling better, buddy. Uh, we're going to go out with a little bit of this. Uh, take care. Be safe. God Stay bless. Tuned. Don't do anything too crazy this weekend. We're going to be back at the same time. Stay tuned. That is correct for no added flavors with a U, because we got to do it the the, the 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 Queen's English apparently, and uh, we're gonna enjoy some uh, cool music uh, set up there by Genevieve to take you into the wee hours of the morning. I'm gonna play a little bit of this because I haven't played this band in a long time. Take care, guys. Bye bye. Independent FM. New York, London, Philadelphia, Japan, Chicago, Paris, San Francisco, Tijuana, Los Angeles, California. The Independent FM, Indie Radio, live from Swing House Studios in Hollywood. This is the all-new Independent FM.